So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always you can find us on social media. So on Facebook if you type in at Folk on Falcons you'll see our picture. On Twitter again it's at Folk on Falcons and if you'd like to send us a direct email it is folkonfalcons at mail.com. So we'll review the match that we lost about half an hour ago against Leicester. Um, we'll look forward to our... Return to European fixtures, albeit against a Welsh outfit next week in Ospreys. Roundup of uh, the rest of the Premiership action, as well as a couple of um, features. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on Carreras and his ban, and then um, potentially just moving the emphasis from the video ref sticking his nose in every single opportunity to whether we should start looking at things in the Premiership, like uh, captain's call or whatever you want to call it, just like what they're trying in Super Rugby. As always, we start with the Falcons' most recent performance. A disappointing loss to Leicester. Lots of things we can say about this. We weren't clinical. Never really got into the game at the start. We could blame a few refereeing decisions. Didn't take our chances when the opposition had 13 men. Lots of things you can say, but at the end of the day, we lost and once again didn't even get a bonus point. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, as you just said there, it's the same failings once again that we're talking about every week. Generally, a, a better performance. I suppose, but again, it's the same things of not clinical enough when we're in positions or when we do score points, we have to work very, very hard for them. At the other end, we just concede points far too easily, whether that's very easily, for example, again today, driving more from a line out, catch and drive, or just giving away, you know, stupid straight away, almost or almost straight from, straight away from the kickoff penalties to. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's the same thing sort of week in, week out. Again, didn't look that sort of great with ball hand in, in attack as well. Um, yeah, I, but having said that, we really weren't helped by the referee today. Uh, I, I think probably the first half of the first half probably killed us with his decisions where he went, you mean you just gifted them 10 points uh, I mean we'll probably talk about it more in detail in a minute in terms of the in terms of the build up to their try and then the very sort of soft penalty that put them to 10 now and I think it was always going to be a really close game and that just sort of made it an insurmountable lead really for Leicester and on top of sorry our usual sort of failings in the first half it was just too much to do I think in second half even if it was a bit better but ultimately we just didn't take our chances yeah so um if we may as well jump into it um before the match something was said between Genge and Welsh BT Sport seemed to think it was the best thing since sliced bread it's one of these things that happens all the time and nothing, there's no fanfare about it but obviously it was caught on camera this time and it's all they talked about for the first half hour of the show and the broadcast but even before the injury to Welsh um there's a couple of very dodgy referee decisions that just seemed to be um a bit out of the blue a bit different no precedent for them and it just put us to the sword didn't it yeah well i mean yeah how, how can you win if you sort of got the referee play against you i suppose um and it was very much the case in the start of the first half you know they got all the territory and all the possession but that was because obviously we just the penalties that were, that were gifted to them but obviously the, the crucial one not not necessarily even the penalties was of course the not spotting the very obvious i think everyone spotted it except the referee and except the two assistant referees, the very clear and dangerous in from the side um, on, on Welsh, which it's the moment of the match because obviously it's not seen. Instead of a yellow card or potentially a red card, probably a yellow card for, for Leicester, it's, they, they have a really good attack position with the scrum and then they, they score from it. And that's, I guess, in many ways, in hindsight, sort of the killer moment of, of the game. It was one of these ones where in open play, watching on TV, it was almost a case of, 
shouting at the television, how on earth is, have you not spotted that? It was blatantly in from the side. You then watch it in slow motion, and it looks a lot more than in from the side. He's, he's clearly seen Welsh exposed, and he's just piled into the side of him, his arms trapped, and he's, it sounds like he's dislocated his shoulder by what they were saying after the game. But it, it, they say the, they say the offence was in at the side, not premeditated violence or whatever. But um, I don't really buy that. They didn't even go back for a penalty because it was deemed the referee failing to see a penalty offence as opposed to foul play. But we see red cards, yellow cards, left, right and centre at the minute for pretty innocuous instances where contact's made with the head, but suddenly, because it's someone dislocating the shoulder and not getting hit on the head, it, it doesn't matter, it's not dangerous. I'm sorry, he's dislocated the shoulder, he's got off the pitch. And the way that he was, the way he went in, it wasn't just a clear out, it was a, for me, it was premeditated, um, bit of skullduggery. And he was high-fiving his teammates when he went back to them afterwards. So he clearly knew what he was doing. And then the second half, the same player, he did get seen this time, piles into Mark Wilson and was very lucky just to get a yellow card in, in certain respects. And he's obviously gone out there with the intention of using his body to hurt the opposition, which um, is one of these things where we're being told all the time he needs to be clamped down on. Well, I mean, he's got history as well. He's just come back from a, a four-week ban or something like that. So, uh, I mean, you know, the referee should know about him already and it should be warning signs already when you could see a, a player like, like him just sort of drives in completely from the side, completely illegally and causes actual body, you know, I guess serious sort of bodily harm to the opposition with the clear intent probably to to, to, to hurt for the sake of, of, of injuring, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolutely disgraceful decision. Um, and it was it's one of these things that, you know, it was so obvious as well. I mean, even the fact he's got past history and all the other factors you can take into it, it it's just so obvious. How, how can a referee who's about two or three metres away with the help of his assistants, not spot something as obvious as that. I mean, yes, former players are flinging their arms up in the air, which I, I suppose they would, and they, they should, I suppose. But it's just so obvious. And then you get the farce that, as you say, because it's not to the head, then the TV match official can't go back and sort of retrospectively reverse a, a, a very obvious mistake, which is absolutely bizarre. Yeah, it seems that, as far as I'm concerned, referees turning into a tick box exercise now. Whenever you hear about foul play, the referee always goes through the, so he has led with his arm, he has made contact with the chin, he has applied force, there's no mitigation, therefore send him off, ban him for a million weeks. Um, and it's very much, they're, they're obviously going through their flowchart out loud, so they can't be criticised for the decision making. And because their flowchart doesn't start with a, he's in from the side and he's directly trying to hurt him, there isn't that box that they can tick. Therefore, oh well, it's not it's not foul play. Therefore, we'll just do all the scrum because um, that's how, that's why we stopped the game. And it just makes a joke of it all. And then when five minutes later, suddenly we're, we've got a chance to apply some pressure and get some points back, and he gives a penalty for a deliberate knock on for competing in the line out. I, I was just lost for words. I was, I was furious and confused. Well, I mean, there was two off the top of my head. There were two ridiculous line out decisions against us. You had the first one, the first one where. Barry was penalised for touching the opponent's arm in the air. I mean, if you're going to give that, you must give about 10 of those a match because, you know, there was no intent from Barry there to to sort of push the arm away or, or to apply any force to the opposition's arm. He simply just sort of touched it in midair. Now, maybe by letter of law, you're not allowed to touch the jumper. But I mean, you know, as I say, this happens all the time. And it's ridiculous that that would be enforced like that. And then the, the second one, 
with the one which gave a deliberate knock-on when it quite, quite clearly wasn't. It couldn't be less of a deliberate knock-on because his, his arm and hand is going the other way. I mean, they went over it on the TV as well about how that was a ridiculous decision. It was just, but you could quite clearly see his, his hand was sort of arching towards us, you know, obviously away from, from, from the Leicester line out. So it's absurd it would be a deliberate knock-on. It's not even a potentially even a, a sort of a knock-on, it, but ridiculous. And, and I guess at the bottom line is those sort of decisions just sort of cost us in the end. Yeah, you, you had, um, to be fair, very good kicks were touched by Ford. But when you, you lose 40, 50 yards through basically no fault of your own, you're always going to be on a, a hide into nothing. And then also um, the first half scrums, I felt, were very unfairly done by. Um, there's the usual crouch touch, pause and gauge. And it was an age before the ball went in. And it looked to me like we engaged as per normal. And then Leicester took an age to get the ball in. They, the Leicester front row took a step or two back. And obviously, when you bound to someone and they take a step back, you have to take a step forward. Then the referee gave a free kick against the first one. And then the second and third ones, he was giving penalties against us. So I was just thinking, what on earth is going on here? Just tell just tell the scrum off to get the ball in, for Pete's sake. Give a free kick to us for him delaying the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, especially if I guess if it's on the far side, it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. But there was nothing sort of clear, I thought, as to why we were getting penalised there. Um, I don't think... I couldn't see, you know, we weren't collapsing it, we weren't driving and going in early or or anything like that. I, it was, yeah, it, it was almost sort of like giving the benefit of doubt to them because they've got the put in, it seemed to be. Um, I, I couldn't see anything sort of obvious as to why we were, we were kept getting penalised there. But again, you know, that's the fact we've had to put a, a new prop on so early in the game, you know, due to no fault of our, no fault of our own, which is going to perhaps disrupt things. I'm not saying that that means we... we gave away the penalties because I'm not sure that was right but you know that's another sort of thing against us which is you know well unfairly went against us really yeah and I think towards the end of the first half um before we before we got the sin billing which I think to be fair at that point in time Barry gave away his fourth penalty I think when a player gives away four penalties and a half it's kind of fair enough to sin with them irrespective of your opinions on the decision itself but um there was a, a line out where Dan Cole stepped across when he set up the mall and gave away a penalty for offside. But that happened throughout the whole game and the referee just kind of blew for it once and then ignored it for the entire rest of the match. And surely if you give that penalty, you set a precedent. And from then on, you've got to be applying that rule for the entire game. But basically every single mall in the entire game, Leicester were stepping across in front of the jumper in the line out, which if you're going to, blow, like you see referees, give them, you see referees not give them. It's one of those things where you kind of just roll with it. But, if they've given one, surely they've got to give the whole lot. Yeah, and then I guess it goes without saying that the obvious effect of that is that it becomes very, very hard to, to stop the driving mall, really, um, if you know, if they do manage to kind of get one going. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, we've obviously highlighted a load of decisions, but referee just wasn't with us today at all. And I, I, I've said it before, but I think that's what killed us, really. Um, he, because even with the other mistakes, if you look at the scores, if you take away that 10 points at the start of the game, even with our sort of usual fork and special stuff, you know, we were still very much in the game. The whole game would be completely different. And it was, yeah, it was just the referee is icing on the depressing cake, I suppose, really, wasn't it? You, you made the very valid point uh, to me before we started recording this, that um, at half time it was 80 minutes without a point to the Falcons. And um I think when when that's the uh, when that's the case, you can't expect to have got anything in the last two games, if I'm perfectly honest. But I do feel that in the first half, yes, we got no points on the board, but we weren't completely outplayed or anything. We just ended up conceding 
points and not getting them ourselves. Part of that was the referees we've discussed, but also a big part of it was our own making. I think, unfortunately, Alex Tate's 250th appearance was probably one of his most error-ridden. In the past, I've said that I, I thought he's been Mr. Mister Consistent, but um, he misjudged the ball in flight a few times today. He knocked it on in contact a couple of times. It was just, unfortunately, one of those games that everyone has from time to time where they don't cover themselves in glory. Um, whether that's a result of him being on the periphery of the first team and then there not being many kind of second string matches after the abandonment of um, Premiership Cup and the postponement of Europe, I don't know, but it just seemed that there wasn't a huge amount of match awareness, maybe. And I think also um, Lukok perhaps showed a bit of inexperience at times. We also had um, unforced errors. Um, Hodgson did a couple of atrocious kicks, although in other parts he played quite well. And Stevenson once again stepped in a couple of times when perhaps I've mentioned in the past where he steps in when players are spinning out wide and then leaves the outside channel unmarked. Um, that happened again. So I do think that, yes, the referee caused an impact, but also we made our own bed and we lay in it. Yeah, well, I mean, as regards to Tate, I guess that was another crucial moment where we that period where we were on top, about 60-odd minutes sort of late on in the 60s, where... You know, Tate knocked on in a really good position, and that was a, and that's still when we had at least sort of one man up, and that was the opportunity. I mean, I kind of felt at the time that once that was knocked on, that was kind of going to be it, because because you know, by the time to scrum, that was a player coming back, and then you know, there's only another couple of minutes till the other player came back, so it, that was probably going to be it, really. But yeah, it was like we we've said before, it's like we say every week seems to be now is that masses are a downfall really I don't think Leicester were superb in any way or even in, in that good in a lot of areas I thought we defended on the first half despite all their territory about possession despite the referee gifting them points we defended really well uh, we got some really good turnovers down on our line but you know if you just keep giving away easy penalties and, you know in your half and you keep giving away unforced errors when you're in their 22 then you're not going to win games are you and it's just the same again every week yeah it has to be said we did have our chance though um they were down to 13 men for a period of time we had i think about a, a 10 point deficit at that point in the game more or give or take a couple of points and once again we made such heavy work of scoring um i know when we got our try the the TMO tried his best to disallow. Um, I think one of the commentators made the comment of 35 phases of play, and that kind of sums it up, that th- it takes 35 phases of play to get the try. When you see other teams hot knife through butter against us, and it takes them one or two phases to get the try, and ultimately that's the difference between the two teams. We we had our opportunity, we didn't take it, and then our most, our most potent attacking force was probably McGuigan and... Um, and Cooper linking up in the last 20 minutes when they were both on the pitch. And I'm sorry, when they're the when they're the most two um, inspirational players in terms of attacking threat, you've got an issue when it's your two of your front row replacements. Yeah, um, I mean I mentioned it before about even the we just still in attack just didn't look we had we didn't have any cutting edge at all. Um, and again, I mentioned it before how we seem to make such hard work of at every point we get. And then uh, I suppose the more pleasing thing, if you can call it that, this time was defending. I mean, it's still the line-out drive, isn't it? We still seem to really struggle with that. Um, I was quite pleased to see we actually kind of defend the pick and go pretty well. Um, that was sort of pleasing to see. And I guess that kind of linked in the fact that 
I thought we did well to only, you know, if you get rid of the 10, the referee gifted to only be six points down in the first half. Only game, well, you know, usual sort of penalties giving away. But the problems are, well, we've talked about the problems before, well, document, especially with ball in hand and attack, which is, it's not there. And that's the difference between, especially the premiership, but, you know, your good teams and your bad teams. Same with every sport. The good teams take their chances and have the ability to score points, tries, goals, whatever it is. The, the, the poor teams, you know, they can have all the possession in the world, all the territory, all the close, all the close misses, or whatever it may be, but they just don't have the quality to and the accuracy to to get it over the line, um, and that, that's the difference. And that, that's what's killing us really, because teams are now being more accurate against us than they were at the start of the season. They're playing better. Obviously, we're playing worse, and we're not. We're just not being as accurate anymore. We're not, especially even the forwards as well. It's taking us so long to kind of generate anything there, and that's why we're slipping on the table. Unfortunately, that's a difference, and it's. I guess this season's a bit of a write-off, but next season it's something that we're obviously going to have to very much address. I think it was summed up actually with the, they brought a statistic up where we have been in the opposition twenty to the least in the league which kind of well I mean that sums it up that sums everything up right there doesn't it yeah you, you've said that um, the league's not really there for the take anymore I think that yeah that boat's now sailed unfortunately we've we started off very promisingly but we've kind of lost the last half dozen matches we've played which never bodes well there's a chance that we can kind of save a bit of face if we get a bit of momentum built up in Europe over the next couple of weeks. And there's also the chance that we can still qualify for the Heineken Cup if we actually go on to win the European Challenge Cup. I'm not sure whether that's a realistic prospect. It's certainly a nice thought in the, the future. How do you think we'll line up against Ospreys in the week's time? Do you think we'll play the B team as we have in the past in Europe? Or do you reckon um, Dean Richards might think, hang on a second, there's nothing to play for in the league anymore. We may as well roll the dice and, yeah, the squad players won't get a look in, but kind of tough. That's just the way it is in professional sport. I think it'll either be play the squad players because you know I guess in many ways I kind of have to play those players at some point no other no other real opportunity to, to do that I suppose um, unless they kind of rattle for the league and play them more in league games or perhaps what they did today where it was very much a mix I suspect perhaps or maybe the latter um, it wouldn't surprise me if you do see you know like your Robinsons and Wilson start Muller Pullers you know if they're back from injury I mean we seem to have a lot of players out for injury as well it seems I don't know if they're injured or rested I mean you can list a raft of players, you know, you will have Polers, Radwan, Fuzers, Petersons, Pennies, you know, all sorts are just missing today. Will they be back for next week? Or if they are going to be back, they're just going to be rested. I mean, I mean, who knows? But, you know, we, we spoke about it last week, but why, you know, why not have a go at, at the Challenge Cup? Because there's nothing else to go for this season. I mean, I guess we want to finish as high as, uh, as we can in the league. I mean, I suppose I'd probably snap your hand off at 10th now, quite honestly. Um, well, you know, why not go for the Challenge Cup? I mean, other teams obviously going to have their eye on their own leagues, and I guess we don't have that, but we'll see what happens. I think if I'm going to be sort of glass half empty, I think they're going to play a more weakened team than perhaps than those available and kind of just hope and see what happens. Whether they'll play a stronger team if they get through to stages, we'll have to see, but uh, fingers crossed that they can, uh, I don't know, get some sort of consistent performance out next week because we, you know, we really need it. We need a lift from somewhere. Ospreys are in a funny position. The way that the way that the thing works in the, the Celtic leagues, whatever you want to call it, um, they are third in their division, but there's absolutely no chance they're going to finish in the top two. I'm just wondering whether they're going to bother 
playing a stronger team or whether they're going to field a much weaker side themselves and I guess that might affect our decision yeah well I mean it wouldn't surprise you if both teams play weaker teams I guess the question is is whose team is weaker and unfortunately I suspect maybe us because you know we, we let's face it we've discussed it before I'm sure everyone is aware our squad depth isn't the greatest in the world and I'm pretty certain that a Welsh franchise will probably have a better squad depth than, than we will um, but I mean, we'll, ha- we'll have to see I mean who who knows sort of how we're going to perform i think if we perform you know like we did in the second half today then maybe we do have a chance i mean i haven't seen osprey's play this season who knows what sort of team's going to turn up but you know we're going to have to we're going to have to improve to win any match Uh, and and it's a really good opportunity to kind of just forget about the league and put it on one side for a week or two and just go all in all out for a a competition which is, is in some ways kind of there for the taking for us yeah, you said it there. Let's go in all out, all out, in all out, in out, in out. Do the work, cokey cokey, and see what happens. We've we've mentioned the much depleted squad through injuries. A lot of them not from our own making. Um, also, as we mentioned last week, Carreras unsurprisingly got quite a hefty ban, nine weeks. I'm not quite sure. I've seen various things saying if we, it's not actually a nine week ban. It seems it's more like a nine match ban because there's discussion of if we don't progress in Europe, then he's going to end up missing most of the rest of the season in the Premiership, which to me sounds like a, a match, not a, a week ban. But ultimately, he's got nine weeks, whatever that ends up entailing. I can't see him wearing the Falcon shirt much anymore. If we move on a bit, it just seems that rugby now seems to be dominated by the video ref getting involved. Yellow cards left, right and centre and red cards deciding matches. And I don't know about you, but I'm just getting a bit tired of the way it's going. It seems that there can't just be game of rugby where the referee's decision is final and I just feel it's taking a lot of the the speed out of the game it's slowing it down constant reviews for this that and the next thing and I'm wondering whether there needs to be another way of looking at things or a different approach to matters what do you think so I'm mostly sort of perhaps on the other side but not completely um because you know we, we see it a lot um where <laughs> quite often when we score tries they always do everything they can to sort of find a, an excuse not to award them and not just us I mean obviously we're going to be quite egocentric but you see it with other teams as well they take so long over what is fairly obvious decisions or decisions quite frankly should just kind of give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team for just the sake of the game really um, and yeah I mean that needs to be refined that needs to be cut out um, how you do that is a different matter and you know that's probably too hard for me to work out but that's not what I'm getting paid for Um I am in favour of the video ref. I think it, it's useful. I think it's more useful than, than not. More positives than negatives, more pros and cons. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I agree that it's it's too overused. Um, it's like, like, you know, today was a good example. And perhaps even in some ways underused because, again, with, with these, the, the Welsh incident, um, yeah, yes, of course, it's being used, but then you're wasting all that time using it, but then you're not because you're not reversing the decision, which is surely that that's kind of what it's there for. So it, it's a balance between using it correctly and using it the right amount of times. Yeah, I'm wondering whether it should go the way of cricket, where the captain, for sake of argument, it'll obviously be the, the people in the with the computer screens or whatever in the stands, but say the captain, for sake of argument, has three challenges a match, and then if he gets it right, he can keep them. If he gets it wrong, he loses them. But I just think that it would stop all these stupid ones where there's a forward pass three phases before a try is scored and suddenly they bring the game back. Or For example, the one where Callum Chick got kind of taken out and um, Leicester scored today and they went back and reversed the decision. For me, that was one of the ones where 
either it's a try and play on or it's deliberately taken someone out and the way the, the way the video ref said it was foul play with a with an elbow so in that case it's got to be yellow card and it was neither so it, I just think that if Callum Chick really thinks he's been hard done by in that situation he, he tells the captain Mark Mike Wilson shouts the referee that we want to use our captain's call and then it's very much a right refer this um, for Stevenson's try that wasn't their captain the referee gave a decision on field as try and then the captain can refer it and if there's categoric evidence that it is not a try reverse it and the same decision will be got about by it but it just it'll remove all this constant fannying on that gets done i wonder if you could use that for i, I maybe i would refine that slightly and use that for try only for try scoring incidents uh, maybe not have three you could have reduce it because of that um because i do feel the video ref is useful for time generally in times for open play because that's when you generally get less of the you know wasting time to try and find any reason not to award a try um and i think for the way the game is going in terms of safety as well i think it's useful to kind of have that there because you know you know the game the pace of the game and people aren't necessarily looking at anything all the time they could miss very obvious perhaps serious things so i think it needs to be there for that but maybe that is a good balance in terms of um having captains call for for when tries are scored um and then you, you can have one or two of those and perhaps you could do it maybe you can like in super rugby where they use it where they have one captain sort of challenge in the last 10 minutes for obviously maybe a game-changing decision at the end of the match something like that um i mean it's yeah i mean obviously we're kind of maybe going with the curve here because or you are at least anyway um in terms because it's been trialed with Super Rugby, so maybe we might see it sooner than you expect in a, in the Premiership. Yeah, also, um, I seem to be... Uh, I think someone in the RFU must be listening to my rants that I have because um, over the course of the season, they've, they've started refereeing uh, pre-binds when there's a tap penalty, which I mentioned earlier in the year. These box-kick caterpillar things seem to have got clamped down into a certain respect with the, the amount of time it's taking. Um, the referees are actually now telling the kickers to get a move on when they're lining up the kick for the posts as opposed to taking it. You hear them quite often saying you've got 20 seconds left or something. If whoever it is in the RFU that's listening to these and making the decisions hears this, then please can you look at stuff in general with the video ref? Because I feel it's really beginning to detract from the game. On a similar note, a couple of the times this weekend, it's probably happened quite a lot over the course of the season, I've missed it. But on Friday night in the the France-Scotland game, and also yesterday in Bristol versus Sale, we had this situation where a referee said, let's go to the video ref, and if it's not going to be a try, it's going to be a penalty try due to foul play. I think there's a complete breakdown in kind of logic here, because what's better, getting a try in open play and then having to kick a conversion, or getting a penalty try and seven points and then restarting the game? Surely as soon as the possibility of referee saying if it's not a try it's going to be a penalty try comes into the equation it's just give a penalty try and then get on with the game and give seven points because when is it ever advantageous not to get a penalty try as opposed to a normal try yeah well it's like when they uh, sometimes when they give penalty options isn't it it's like well do you want the penalty right in front of the post or do you want a secondary penalty sort of white you know really far out wide i mean i guess <laughs> i guess it's maybe it's one of those um sort of funny things of the law where you know Technically, they have to give the choice of both of them because both infringements happened in the same play or whatever. And it's up to them to, to choose. You know, you have to give that choice to the captain to choose one or, or the other. I mean, I guess it could just be a tweak to see the referee's discretion is to say, well, this is quite clearly an obvious one. But then what happens? You get a referee gets it wrong, maybe. I, I don't know. But surely if 
if the referee sees something that could be a penalty, or he says is a penalty try, then at that point there can there can never be possibly an advantage. It should just be as soon as the referee sees something which he considers worthy of a penalty try, blow blow your whistle, run to the posts, and get on with the game seven points later. It, it's not. It, it should sort of be uh, as soon as the incident happens, in which case you're basically playing advantage. Then there is no advantage because there's nothing better than a penalty try in a second phase of play. Yeah, actually, no, well, yeah. I mean, I suppose I should clarify myself. I mean, with regards to penalty try, absolutely right. I mean, why why do they they offer? Why do they have the the option of one or the other? And you would have thought just immediately penalty try, especially as they wanted to kind of streamline the penalty try process, didn't they? By just automatically put, have, adding the conversion to it. Uh, so it seems odd they'll have this sort of anomaly of where you get the choice of the penalty try, the set, the immediate seven points, or you know a penalty elsewhere, you know up the pitch sort of thing. Yeah, um, on, on that note, I've, I've said for quite a while they should never bother with the conversion to penalty tries and they've taken it away now. I've also said that there should be a seven-point try if you score into the post because no one ever misses that kick. And it seems that there's a new experiment, experimental law variation. I think it's in America where they're saying basically if you score into the posts, it's going to be just a seven-point try and not bother with the conversion. I think that's probably progression. There's a few others that are trying in various parts of the world at the minute. I know you've mentioned the, the dropout from behind the try line in Super Rugby, but... It seems that they're not afraid to try different things um, with regards to law variations. I'm not sure they're all necessary. Some of them, I think, are distinctly unnecessary. But what's your general view on law variations? I think it's worth giving them a go uh, because, you know, nothing should necessarily stay the right thing forever. Uh, I mean, obviously, the laws are sacred and enshrined and we all we all generally like them and it's part of the game, of course. But um, no reason why, as the game changes, as perhaps people's perception of how what they want the game to be like changes, there's, I suppose there's a reason why you can't experiment. Um, and I guess the Southern Hemisphere and the, these sort of minor leagues are much more keen to kind of experiment than the premiership is certainly um some i think are better ideas and others like i i agree with the you know if you get a try under the post that's seven points because it speeds the game up as well and you get less time wasting and all that but we've discussed previously anyway um in terms of the, the dropout one uh yeah I'm, I'm not so sold on that one i think that's just get i like a nice scrum and it gets rid of the it gets rid of you know some more nice scrums and i don't see how i think it's too much of a disadvantage to the team that was held up because they have to run it from way back um so yeah but i think the, the point is is at least these things are being tried um you know and if they're obviously not very good then i'm the track record shows that if they haven't worked they've, they've scrapped them and the ones that have worked they generally kept so i think it's worth doing and i'm 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 positive that they, they do try these things out. And I think, especially at the moment, in Super Rugby with the reduced competitions, if you're going to try it, now's the time to try it, I think. Yeah, I think my view on it is, if it's a fundamental change to the laws, then I kind of don't favour it. In the, A few years ago, we had the ridiculous situation where you're allowed to collapse malls. That was a fundamental change to the game, and it was stupid, and they got rid of it. The one in Super Rugby where, if you're held up, instead of having an attacking scrum five metres out, they take a dropout below the, I mean, behind the, the try line. I think that's also stupid. It means that players end up charging in from 40, 50 yards away into someone with a huge head of speed. Once again, fundamental change. But then I think things like not having to take a conversion with a penalty try, it's not a fundamental change. It's just common sense. And I think that streamlining the game in that sense, I think, is very different to these kind of fundamental changes. I think they're, they're also trying, well, I can't remember which part of the world it's in, where it's kind of like a rugby league where they do the... 2040 or whatever they call it where you kick it and it bounces into touch and then you get the line out um 
I think anything to dissuade kicking should be encouraged, not encourage it, um, which seems to be what they're trying to do there, I reward a good kick. The, the way it's going, they're always trying to tinker with things, and I guess they've now employed enough people to, to tinker with things. They can't suddenly make them more redundant, so they're going to get more and more tenuous in their tinkerings. As I say, well, I guess we'll see what happens with all these very sort of rule changes and, and whatnot. Something I think is quite a good anomaly for, well, not necessarily good, but a strange anomaly for from this weekend is the amount of red cards and yellow cards just kind of while on the topic of discipline and TV of officials and all sorts. Um, like, I, I don't know, I, I think the impression I get is that players are just seem to are getting more brainless somehow. I don't know, because it just seems to me that teams generally just seem to give away more. I know we're particularly good at it, but just seem to be giving away more and more penalties all the time. Um, and, you know, we all know what you know what would give away a penalty or not. We all know nowadays, you know, what would give a yellow card or red a card generally. I mean, we give our opinions on this, but it seems to me that the players half the time don't seem to. And it just, I don't know if it's a case of like these new these all these new laws have been introduced or new regulations have been introduced, and it hasn't quite sort of got through to the players yet, or the players just kind of think it they won't apply to them or gets missed or something but it's really odd and and i think you just see more and more and more sort of indiscipline from teams which is why you're sort of getting these record amounts of yellow and red cards well a lot of the red cards that are given like people like chris ashton's yesterday for for worcester was just one of the stupid ones where he decided for no reason it was kind of like the one today with weiser where he charged into a rook and shouldered someone in the head well that's never been acceptable as long as the game's gone on. It's not like a, a new interpretation of a law. It's just they're policing it a lot more strictly. Um, then you get the, the very harsh ones, like the Wasps game yesterday, where I think it was Bassett when there was the, the slip and the, the attacker was obviously going down and you put your inside arm out. And there's absolutely no way you can avoid a collision with the head and he was given a yellow card for it, which I think was extremely harsh. But that's always been a high tackle still. So there's a lot of these ones with contact to the head where it's just kind of enforcing rules probably the same rules as always been but a bit more strictly and the video refs now got the um the the ability to stick their oar in because most of them are kind of determined by the video ref not just play in general but yeah i think that players just seem to be acting a bit brainlessly they all know these situations exist and then you still get them piling in there's the one today that um austin he was banging about with um what's he called robinson where i think that that could have been a red card the way it is um i wouldn't say it was particularly malicious or anything but wilson actually smashed whoever it was who caught it and then robinson was piling in second and yes because wilson smashed him he was going down then robinson's shoulder caught him and it wouldn't surprise me if i see um, robinson getting uh, a couple of weeks banned for that just by being a bit unfortunate in the way it happened but there's ones like that where you think, oh, well, that's a bit unlucky. But there's so many that just aren't unlucky. They're not They're not kind of an accidental part of rugby. It's kind of just brainless stupidity. And I, I just don't know what players are still doing. Whether they just fancy putting their feet up for a couple of weeks. I, I've got no idea. I don't Maybe kind of linked into what we've talked about with the modern player, how they're, you know, they're just kind of play almost robotically where they they sort of like or you know sort of ug and grunt and sort of think oh must go into contact must smash this person must do this or that and they don't seem to think because you know as, as as you know amateur players or supporters we watch it and we see so many obvious things i mean we're especially good at this because we watch newcastle in england you know there's so many of these where you think well that's just so clearly like the wrong thing to do uh, why why would you do like, what goes through your mind to think that that would be a good idea in that situation at that time but it seems to happen so often with, with a whole variety of teams i don't know if it's just like a 
modern players just encouraged to be just so overly physical or, or whatever or you know it's a very kind of like you know red-blooded thing where you know you want to just batter your opponent physically and you know if that means you know occasionally give away penalties so so big because you just you know you want to be seen as the biggest and toughest and whatever it just seems it just seems like a lack of intelligence and that with a combination of, of them starting to clamp down on certain things just seems to be that penalties are being pinged left right and center every week and you're seeing a record amount of cards um you mentioned the cards this week if we just kind of go to the the matches themselves um friday night kind of the one we were all watching was um france v scotland once again in that scotland ended up with a yellow and red card as it happened the match was completely pointless scotland still ended up finishing fourth where they started the evening even though they won it whereas actually france gained a bonus point by losing and ended up in second not third but it was one of those ones where france at the start looked like they were kind of going for it and then they just kept kicking penalties which seems a bit odd and in the end they didn't win by 21 points which they needed to and that was a bit of a damp squib um, in the Premiership this weekend, Friday night, Exeter played a very weak team against Gloucester. Um, I don't know the reason for that. Do you know any reason why they played such a weakened team? Well, I mean, I remember at the time, obviously, we were texting about this, and I I guess my sort of suggestion was that, because obviously it's not just the focus, all the teams don't have the Premiership Cup. They've got limited opportunity to play their sort of squad or reserve players. And I guess Exeter thought, well, we're, as it stands, we're fairly comfortable in second. We're definitely going to be in the top four. Um, you know, this we're going to play a team who aren't doing brilliantly in Gloucester. You know, I, I, maybe our reserves are going to be good enough to kind of go down there and get a win. And then, you know, they get the game time. We move on to the next game with, with a win under our belt. And I think maybe that's that was their kind of thinking. So that's why you kind of had a much weak inside and it you know it backfired on them um i mean i I get both sides of it you know and we were saying it was arrogant and you know some ways it is by definition is arrogant because you know you shouldn't approach it you know a a game away to gloucester or perhaps any premiership game you know with with your reserves thinking that's gonna be more than enough to to get a result um but also i for you know if we're gonna perhaps be practical or realistic i can see why you know they, they choose games like that to perhaps play their squad players so i think it was just a gamble for them which just didn't didn't pay off really what was nice to see in that game is um, some of you will have seen on our Twitter page was um, we we shared one of um, the tries from that game, which was our old boy Hodge. Um, a fantastic try. Caught a, a Gary Owen inside his own half. Broke a couple of tackles, did some on the outside and beautiful score. Um, in that game, there was only a disappointing three yellow cards. Um, so compared to some of the other ones like we, this weekend, it was a bit of a a boring one for the uh, the referee to get his cards out of his pocket. Yeah, well, with that hot shy, I mean, it was almost a carbon copy of some of you may remember. I was there at Headingley last season to see our, our, our very hard work win away to Leeds. Um, and he, Hodge played in that game. And I, I, I was kind of torn about him because I thought he was, even at that level, he seemed very lightweight. Uh, maybe it's spell Exeter has done him good. But he scored a brilliant try, very similar to, to that extra one. So he definitely has it in his locker. Um, I mean... I suppose we'll see if he does get more game time Exeter, but yeah, I mean, one that got away, but unfortunately I think it was what he was someone who, if a, a big club was going to come in for him, you know, we couldn't really stand in, in his way, I suppose. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's nice to see him kind of kick on, I suppose, and get chances in Exeter. Yeah. Looking at him, he said he was, he thought he was a bit lightweight. I think he's definitely been eating a shredded wheat down in Devon because he looks like he's filled out a bit and maybe grown into his body. He did have kind of the gangly teenager about him, but I think he's, um, shaping up to be more of a man shape than a boy shape which I, I guess is kind of good news but sometimes you see it where players lose their agility when that happens but um, yeah it's certainly, certainly good and hopefully he's one of these players where he goes away from the Falcons 
then after a few years comes back and we might see him for see him in the in the black at Kingston Park in the future perhaps. Another fantastic game this weekend, um, Bristol v Harlequins. In that one, I think I think there's only a disappointing two yellow cards, but um, there, there were uh, Bristol ended up getting a five point win and Harlequins only getting the one losing bonus point. But two minutes from full time, it was a very different picture. Harlequins were quite competently in the lead. They then ended up giving away a, a try with about five ten minutes to go, and then they got a sin bin as well. And then the last play of the game, Bristol ended up scoring a try with a conversion to win it. But um, in that game, I felt like the referee was basically giving everything to the team behind in the last 10 minutes. I feel like I've seen that a few times this season. I'm not sure whether they've been instructed in the last 10 minutes to basically try and even up the scoreboard to make it a good spectacle for TV. But I certainly get the impression that referees are giving a lot to the team that's chasing the match as opposed to the team that's in control. Might just be me seeing it. But um, yeah, there's a couple of fantastic tries in that game. Then another one that was once again a very close scoreline, London Irish pipped Bath 36-33. In this game, there was uh, once again three, oh, no, sorry, four yellow cards and a red card. So the, the referee definitely got his, uh, his notebook out enough times there. I reckon they must have like uh, shares in Ikea pencils or something because it seems like um, they're getting definitely a workout at the minute. Four tries apiece. So I guess at the end of that game, seven points were awarded for the, the victory and the, the loss. Five to London Irish and two to Bath. Worcester got absolutely trounced by Northampton, although that largely swung on Chris Ashton being an idiot and getting a red card. There's also two yellow cards in that game. So as always, referee gets his notebook out and then Sale only won by a point against Wasps. Um, once again, last minute sort of stuff. In this game, we had once again, uh, I think it was five yellow cards in that game. It's just getting ridiculous. Um, Sale got four of them. I think it's the first time a team's ever won, getting four yellow cards in a match. But when you start giving yellow cards away, left, right and centre, they're getting given away now. It's only a matter of time until these records start get broken. And then today in the Falcons game, obviously, we lost um, 26 points to 12. And in our game, what were there? There were only three yellow cards. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a sea change in the, the cards getting given. Anything you want to say before I give the table roundup? So if we quickly touch on the Six Nations table... Um, we don't really need to mention much other than France moved up one position because they got a losing bonus point, which is kind of how no one saw it panning out. But Wales won with 20, France with 16 in second, Ireland in third on 15, joint with Scotland on 15, but points difference meant Scotland finished fourth. Best not talk about England in fifth and Italy, completely waste of time them existing, sixth place. Um, I think it's, they haven't won in 20 matches now or something in Six Nations. Absolute waste of time, we should just get rid of them. If we look at the, the Premiership table, um, Bristol now 12 points ahead so if Monist with 7 games remaining I can't see that one turning around I think Bristol are going to win the table outright whether it comes down to that in the actual playoffs and stuff who knows but um, we've got Bristol with 61, Exeter with 49 Sale with 46, Harlequins with 45 then a bit of a gap Northampton with 41, London Irish with 40 and that's the top 6 Leicester then have 37, Bath with 36 Wasps have 31 and we have 30, so once again, a bit of a gap's opened up. And then we've got Gloucester with 25 and Worcester on 18. If we were looking over our shoulder, would Worcester catch us up now? There's seven games left. Worcester would need to win three of them to overtake us. I doubt it'll happen. But um, there's still a potential we could finish bottom, but not sure it will happen. I, I think, I'd like to think an hour remaining seven fixtures would pick up two or three victories, which would therefore mean that Worcester would need to win three or three to five, but as it happens, it's all kind of academic. The table has spread out. We're now ten points off the top six, seven games remaining. It's looking like quite a tall order. 
we've obviously got European fixture next weekend and then potentially either a, a rest week or another European fixture the week after. After that, we launch back into Premiership action. Um, how do you see it panning out over the next few weeks, Ian? Well, I mean, it all depends, obviously, what happens with Ospreys, isn't it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going to happen with sort of the in terms of personnel that's going to be put out there. I mean, in terms of how we'll play, you know, I don't have much expect hope or, or expectation. But, you know, we can only sort of just kind of, well, keep our fingers crossed, I suppose, and just hope that they can kind of re- get, well, reclaim some of that form they had at the start of the season. And, look, it would be nice to, to beat Ospreys. It would be nice to kind of just at least get a win for the first time in a few weeks and to progress in a competition where at least, you know, we can, we can do something in it. And, you know, we can have a bit of a European adventure for at least a couple of weeks. And and then, you know, you know if you win games, that often leads to, to winning more games. And maybe we can kind of bring that in into the league and can resuscitate what is a quickly dying league campaign. Indeed, indeed. So um, I don't think we've got much positive note to finish on this week other than Let's hope we win a few games in future, but we kind of say that every week. Yeah, don't we? well, uh, considering our next league game is at home to Bristol, um, then perhaps uh, we kind of need those European wins to at least tide us over for a little bit longer. Yeah, I'd tactfully avoided mentioning that just so we didn't all kind of go to bed crying after listening to this podcast. But um, yeah, I don't think there's much more to report from me, so goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.